0: be multiplied unto us from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The account of the demon-possessed man is found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the Synoptic Gospels because they are all the story of his life, basically from his birth to his death. And they agree in many places. In this specific case, all three of the accounts of the demonic possessed man are found in each of the three Gospels. And the text that precedes them is the story of the stilling of the storm, one that I think you're familiar with. And the story or the account that follows this story of the demonic possessed man, is this, the account of the raising of Jairus' daughter. Now, do you think it's a coincidence that the three gospel writers chose those three accounts to put in sequence one after the other? I don't believe so. I don't think it was an accident. I think it was planned by God, and he moved them by the power of the Holy Spirit to do exactly that. So we joined the three accounts in this sermon to share with you what I think God wants us to know this day about his power and his might at that time and in our lives as well. In Luke five twenty-two, we read simply these words of Jesus, Let us go to the other side of the lake. Now Mark's account also adds, a little different than Luke and Matthew, that it was near evening, which would make what was about to take place on the stormy sea even more frightening than otherwise. But be that as it may, they all agree that Jesus promptly went to the bow of the boat and went to sleep. we read uh, we need to take into account those words let us go to the other side of the lake. Jesus being God and knowing all things had no intention of drowning in the middle of that lake. He was comfortable that they were going to get to the other side. That's important in our lives too that we realize that no matter what takes place in our lives we're going to get to the other side with the help of our Savior, Jesus. And so when the violent storm comes on, Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples are busy bailing the boat and trying to pull down the sails and generally keep the thing from going overboard. Not unlike the storms that came through Milwaukee, just This past Monday, do you remember how violent they were? Can you imagine being out in Lake Michigan in something just a little larger than a rowboat in the midst of those storms and all the wind and the waves that might have been there? It frightens me just to think about it, as it frightened those experienced fishermen on that day in the lake. They were fighting for their lives as anyone would have been. Now I want to pause here in the accounts of Scripture and ask you, have you ever been in a dramatic storm in your life? Have you perhaps been in some inclement weather or or maybe a a stormy financial situation in your life Or, or maybe a dramatic accident or perhaps the death of a loved one? Those storms in life come regardless of what we do, and we realize we need to have Jesus in the boat with us, as he was with the disciples that day. Many years ago, my wife and I were traveling in our car with our daughter from Milwaukee to Kenosha. We had attended the Christmas Eve service at our own church. Katie had participated in a children's program, and now we were heading down to Grandma and Grandpa's house in Kenosha. At the time, I was driving a diesel car. That becomes important in a moment. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, as it sometimes happens along the lake shore, A nor'eastern came in, and with it, it brought a very heavy, wet snow that fell totally, darkening the whole area so that you couldn't hardly see out the window. And no more than we got in the midst of that storm and the temperature began to drop by the degrees at the moment, and quickly it went from 40 degrees to mid to low 20s, my car came to a halt. The diesel had frozen in the fuel line. It didn't take but a moment for me to realize we were in dangerous peril. The car was quickly becoming very cold. I looked about outside to see where there might be some help And not a thing was in sight except one lone farm light about 100 yards away. I told my wife to huddle together with our daughter and I was going to go, not dressed for the weather, and see if I could get some help at that farmhouse. I left them and headed about 100 yards away to that light. By the time I reached that farm door, I was chilled to the bone. I pounded on the door and a kind lady came, opened the door and invited me in and allowed me to use her phone so that I might be able to call my father-in-law and tell him of our situation. It wouldn't be long before he would arrive to help us. I made my way back to the car, and we waited for him, and then when he arrived, Don and Katie got into his nice, warm vehicle, and I sat in a frigid car as he got behind me and pushed me the last three miles to their house. It was a Christmas Eve we will never forget. Jesus was in the boat with us. He had given us a rescue by that woman in the farmhouse. He had given us a rescue in the form of our father-in-law. He had taken us out of deep peril, just as Jesus had calmed the storm that day on the Sea of Galilee. Now Luke continues, they sailed to the region of garrison, and there Jesus stepped ashore and was met by a demon-possessed man. Are there demons in our world today? Absolutely there are. Last November, a demon-possessed man ran through the Christmas parade, killing one after another people he had no knowledge of. My son was standing next to the first woman he struck, and he got a good look at that man's eyes, and he said he had never looked into the eyes of a demon before, but he was sure he was looking into that one at that time. He had nightmares about it for weeks. Then there was the man at Uvalde, Texas, just a few days or weeks ago, walking into a schoolroom and killing dozens of children he had never met in his life. Or the crazed man who walked into a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, and began to open fire on anyone in sight. Those people were demon-possessed, ladies and gentlemen. There is no other logical answer for why someone would do such a crazed thing. Did you notice in, when the gospel was read that it said the man the demons call Jesus son of the most high God? St. Paul records in Romans fourteen eleven these words every knee shall bow before me and every tongue confess to God. He's talking about judgment day and on judgment day The demons will bow to God as well as even all believers throughout the world. They will recognize Him and they will will bow. But until then, the demons will have power in this world, they will have authority. And they will have frightening ability to do as they were done in those three instances that I just mentioned. Because our world is filled with sin and sinners. Sinners who are involved in drugs and sex and violence. Not to mention the killing of innocent unborn children. And then parading around the country as though that was some right To kill someone just because they're very small. Demons have power in this world. And Christians cry out, is there no hope? Is there no hope for a generation who believes in Christ? And St. Paul tells us, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that they might receive the full rights of heirs so that they are no longer slaves but sons. And since they are sons, God calls them heirs. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about the people of God who are his children and heirs of his kingdom. That's God's plan for each and every one of you. Sadly, the demons of this world will have their day. Sin has been unleashed just as it was at the time of Noah. But God gave Noah a sign. Do you remember that? He put the rainbow in the sky and he said, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. God sees the evil in this world, but he kept his promise and he has not destroyed this world. He will when he returns. And God has done everything, far, something far greater than stilling a storm or casting out a demon. He sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sees the evil. He sees the need in nature. He sees the demons, and he sees even death. Yes, even death. The third account recorded in those three Gospels is a story that when Jesus goes back to the other side of the lake, he is met by a ruler from the synagogue by the name of Jairus, who falls on his knees before this Jesus and pleads for his 12-year-old daughter who is about to die and just as Jesus is about to go with him someone comes and says don't bother the teacher anymore your daughter's dead You imagine the sorrow but Jesus looks at him and says do not be faithless only believe your daughter is not dead just sleeping And when he said that, you know what the people did? They laughed at him. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. And he tells Jairus, just believe and she will be healed. Jesus has the power to control nature. Jesus has the power To cast out demons. And Jesus has the power of life and death. He has conquered them both. He rose from the dead and because he rose, you too will rise. He has conquered them and made us heirs. Oh, there will be suffering in our life, yes. And each one of us will come to the end of this life if the Lord does not return first. Yes, that's true. But as he rose, so shall we rise. Listen to the words of Isaiah. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and flames will not set you ablaze. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3. Isaiah spoke those words 750 years before the Savior was born. He believed it through the eyes of faith as you believe through the eyes of faith. God formed you. He redeemed you. And he calls you by name. Each one, he knows your name. God, the Almighty, knows you by name. And St. Paul declares my favorite passage in Scripture from Romans 8. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation, is able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's God's promise to you this day and every day. He sees you and knows you, calls you by name, and has conquered all who would separate you or try to separate you from his love. May God send you forth this day with that assurance and peace in your heart that only God can bring. Amen. And now may that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. We rise and join in confessing our faith in that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Please be seated. We receive the offering to the Lord at this time.